Welcome to the Wandering Toward Wisdom podcast. If you listened to last week's podcast, you heard Matt Burford of Tactical Faith Radio, and I interview Christian Miller about his fascinating book on character, whether we have any character and how we might develop develop a virtuous character. Today, Joel and I start offering a few reflections, Wandering Toward Wisdom style, on the book. We start off talking about the question, why should we want to develop virtuous character, and is a flourishing life one in which our desires are fulfilled? And we dig a bit deeper talking about what desire fulfillment is. Wondering Toward Wisdom is a part of the Tactical Faith Podcast Network. Check out tacticalfaith.com for info on Tactical Faith. Find our other podcasts, uh, blogs, information about upcoming events, and ways to support us if you'd like. You can also contact me and Joel directly by emailing us at wondering at tacticalfaith.com, or you can tweet us at wonderingwisdom. And in both those uh, cases, there's an underscore where the A or the O would be in wondering. Enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast. Last week, we did an interview with Christian B. Miller, uh, the author of The Character Gap and a variety of other things. And I encourage you to check out the book. Uh, It's an excellent book with a lot of really good stuff in it. This week, Joel and I are going to give some, we're, we're going to talk about the book we're going to start by talking about the question. Really, it's one of the. It's this. It's a question of the second chapter of his book, and that is uh, really why should we develop good character? Why are we interested in developing good character? And during the it, interview, it, I asked a, him. It's a good plot device to have good characters. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for that, Sorry. Joel. So, Sorry. <laughs> so. We're gonna we're gonna dwell on that question a little bit. Why why are we interested in having good character? And he gives he gives I, I believe four responses in the book in the book as to why we should be interested in having good character. Now during the interview I had asked him a question. Really, it was a sort of a couple of questions all crammed into one. But the question was something like this: it, If we are desiring fulfillment. It seems like one of the when we think about fulfillment, it seems like what we're looking for is for our desires to be fulfilled, and therefore to flourish or to have to to live a life of fulfillment is to live a life in which all of our desires are fulfilled. And I said, I asked him if that's the case, then wouldn't being just following whatever desire happens to be strongest? Wouldn't that be the best way to go about? living life. This was sort of a complex question, and he responded very well, I think, where he said, well, I disagree with the claim that fulfillment it comes from having your, all your desires fulfilled. And then he proceeded to go on and said, but let me let me accept the conditional, the, the hypothetical statement, and say, if that is the case, then wouldn't it be better to get your desires fulfilled by just fu- but running out whatever desire happens to be strongest at the time? That is to have no character. And then he proceeded to, to suggests that it's not the case. And in fact, in many ways, chapter two of his book shows the same, the similar sort of thing that if you really want your desires to be fulfilled, one of the, one of the ways to do that is to develop character. For example, having these various attitudes, various character elements like gratitude, hope, and honesty and integrity, these actually result in a better sense of life satisfaction and so forth. So if you look on page, if you happen to have the book, if you look on page 44, uh, gratitude gives you uh, better health, more positive mood, better work satisfaction, so on and so forth. Hope re- reduces anxiety, better work satisfaction, better achievement in school, and, and honesty, integrity, 
it shows you have decreased aggression, higher GPA, increased performance for top level business executives and so on and so forth. And this is just some of the research that's done that shows that the development of certain elements of character actually results in increased fulfillment of one's desires. But at the same time, he said he doesn't think that's what fulfillment is. Which, which to me is an interesting, complex statement. And that's kind of what I want to explore a little bit today to talk about that. Uh, and I've got Joel here. And so I'm going to use him in my good objectifying way. And uh, really, we're going to use the word flourishing. What does it mean to flourish? And, and when we say flourish, we're using something like the Greek word eudaimonia or whatever, which is often translated happiness, but it really means something like to live a life of of a, a fulfilling life or to be truly fulfilled, uh, something like that. But it doesn't quite mean what we often think of. And that's what we kind of need to talk about. Is fulfillment, is flourishing a matter of having our desires fulfilled or is it something else? And does this change the way we approach uh, what Dr. Miller presents in his book? Uh are there similarities, differences? Uh, what do you think? So if you were going to define flourishing, Joel, how would you define this? I would define flourishing as living life to the your fullest potential um, in, in, in the sense of um, being the fullest person that you, uh, you can be. Um, now, I'm intentionally vague because um, I think a lot of people, when they think about fulfillment or flourishing, they think they have specific desires in mind that they think need to be fulfilled in order for them to be flourishing. They have to have a certain or have a job that um, maybe pays a certain amount of money, has a certain level of, of house or, or apartment or something. Um, They have to have, a spouse, kids, you know, or certain, they have to own certain things. Um, they have to have achieved certain things in order to, to feel as though they're flourishing. And, um, while there may be some truth to specific, uh, desires like that in specific situations, I think it's more broad than that. And that as we grow and develop the desire, what we think we desire and what we need to achieve in order to flourish is going to to change and develop. I mean, if you had asked twenty year old me, what what would what will it look like for you to be uh, flourishing as a forty year old? Uh, the answer would be very different than what I would say my my life uh, requires to be flourishing now that I am forty. Um, we 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 grow, we change, we develop, we. Um, we we deepen in our understanding of ourselves and what it means to to be fulfilled, such that the the idea of flourishing is something that is very transient, even if it doesn't seem like it's something that we would treat as transient in this moment. I have a set of desires right now in my life. And I don't mean right now in this moment, but a set of desires in my life right now. And some of them are, aren't bad desires. Some of them are probably good desires and some of them are, you know, not so good. If I'm seeking to be 
the best I can be or to be fulfilled or whatever, why would I want my desires to change? Why don't I just want my desires to be fulfilled? So let's say I have a desire that isn't particularly good. First of all, I need to discover that it's a bad desire, right? Mm -hmm. And we all, we all know, like, if you want to like murder your neighbor and eat them, we, we know it's a bad desire. Usually. But we don't often, <laughs> what we usually do, those are some people who are a little bit dumber than the rest of us. Ah. But it's unclear. I think often we feel like we, we, we know in our heads that a desire is bad, but it doesn't feel bad to us. It feels good or beautiful or, or like if I could just have this, I would truly be fulfilled, but I guess I'm not supposed to have it. And this, this puts us at odds with God and, and all this kind of stuff. But mm -hmm. what I want to know now is how do we, how do we discover? Well, I, I'm sort of asking you two questions. I have a tendency to pile questions on top of each other, <laughs> uh, which is what I did with, with Christian Miller as well. But I sort of have two questions. One of them is, why shouldn't I, let me just start with this one. Why shouldn't I just pursue the desires that I have now and seek for them to be fulfilled? Why Why would I want my desire to change? What, what motivates me to do that? So this is... Um, this is part of why I, I speak broadly in, in the sense of living life well, living living to the full your full potential, those kinds of things. Because I think if we're honest with ourselves, we often find that we have conflicting desires. Sometimes our desire for one thing is going to conflict with a desire for another. I mean, the the there's been a discussion over the last decade that at least has been uh you know more prevalent in the last decade about can women have it all you know both you know a good home life and a good work life and all that kind of stuff and you know i think that applies to men as well but that's that's a discussion for another time but th there's a sense of sometimes our desires conflict where in order for us to to get one of our desires, another one of our desires has to be put on the back burner or even uh, be, you know, we have to work against that desire. And so that would be one reason why we might want, why we might want to change our desires because we realize they're conflicting. And okay. So let's, 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 let's stick with that one just for a moment. So uh -huh. I think this is really, really important. And this is something that I don't think we recognize and it applies to it. It applies to a lot of different things, including some stuff that, that's brought up in the book. But I believe Plato's view of virtue and the idea of the unity of the virtues actually kind of comes from this a little bit. In that, what it means to be virtuous is what it is is that it means to flourish, or, or it, to flourish is to is to have these virtues. And what it means to flourish is to no longer be divided, but to live. It, to live with integrity. And I don't mean that in terms of being honest, even though it includes honesty, but integrity means you're a whole, you're like an integer. And so you don't have all these desires aimed different directions, pulling at us, mm -hmm. uh, trying to, trying to tear us apart, causing us to be double-minded or triple-minded or whatever many minds we have. But rather we are, we are, uh, it's like, it's almost like, I don't know if I were to write a book, I might call it something like purity of heart is to will one thing or something like that. <laughs> but it's that's kind of the idea is this is this 
we live lives. One of the reasons why we would desire to have to flourish or to have good characters because character harmonizes the desires so that we are not at odds with ourselves at all times. And the most maybe just a real easy example is moderation. Moderation is a virtue and moderation means that I'm not overdoing it all the time or underdoing it all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. So if I'm just cramming my face full of junk food all the time, which I have a I have a tendency to go that direction. Then I'm feeling sick all the time. I'm unhealthy. I can't do other things that I want to do. And I'm suddenly at odds with myself. Uh, and this becomes more and more of it as you get older. But if I am, mm -hmm. but I can also be immoderate in the sense of being far too picky to the point where like, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up and I refuse to eat a meal with it. I'm going to, I'm going to nibble on my keto chips instead of sitting down and feasting with, with my family or whatever. That's a point where you're like, you know what, maybe you should just enjoy what you've been given. And so uh, just don't have Thanksgiving every day, right? Right. Uh, or that kind of meal, I should say. That's an example of, of finding a, a certain kind of harmony where you're not, you're not breaking. I'm not breaking relationships and opportunities to celebrate, but nor am I doing it so often that I'm just sick all the time. And when I do celebrate, it doesn't mean anything, right? So you want to you find this kind of, this kind of, uh, uh, moderation is a, is a, as a way of harmonizing our desires and, and flourishing generally speaking is to not have our desires at odds with the other, each other. Now, the reason why this is really important because we never, we normally think of something like sin, uh, or vices, they're bad because there's a rule that says they're bad. They would fulfill us if we were allowed to do it and people would let us get by with it, but we know we're not supposed to. And so we don't do them. But that's, I'm not sure that that's the case. Right. I think vice and sin are wrong because they, they kill you. They disintegrate you. They, they, they undermine your integrity. They undermine your, your wholeness, your unity. And so if you have a body that is pulling very hard in multiple directions, eventually it's going to get, I think it's called being quartered. Uh, that's actually a punishment and we do it to ourselves. Uh, I mean, not physically necessarily, but it'll eventually break break us apart. And and we, we're constantly like this, right? In one situation, we're a certain kind of person. In another situation, we're a different kind of person. And I don't mean we change for different situations. It's obviously but obviously the case. But but I mean to the point where we're like completely at odds with ourselves. So I think that's a really important point. I just <laughs> wanted to uh, emphasize it. So so let me let me give a second reason why we might not want to just try and fulfill our desires. And that's because sometimes we just can't. Sometimes life gets in the way and we can we can have a desire and we can you know just put our head down and keep working at it and um you know we we get uh we don't get anywhere. We're we're worse than Sisyphus because at least Sisyphus gets up the hill. And and so we have to recognize that life life doesn't get ordered according to our desires. You know, life doesn't work out to to way the way we want it, and a failure for that to happen isn't necessarily we didn't desire it enough or or failure on our part. I mean, when Aristotle talks about this about flourishing, um, about uh, a, a full life, he he admits that there's an element of luck to it, that uh, something that's out of our control, the, how we respond to it is within our control, but there are things outside of our control that can, 
can make it difficult for us to have a to for us to flourish but we can still be virtuous even if we have that struggle even if if we don't have the the positives that that um we hope for we desire it's in our control as to if we're going to respond in a virtuous way when when life is difficult um when our desires aren't met and so just pursuing our desires isn't fulfillment in and of itself um there's more going on than just the fulfilling of our present desires, focusing on fulfilling those desires. Yeah, that seems like a, a very stoic notion, where you sort of uh, instead of instead of running around trying to make the world fit your desires, every once in a while, I mean, that well, the stoic idea is you eventually just settle and you realize the world's going to do what it's going to do, and you should be content with what you with what you can control, which is, you know, your mind alone, your attitude alone. So these are these are reasons to change our desires, the reasons reasons to try to organize them. And in neither one of these did we mention because they're sinful. I mean, I mentioned it, but I mentioned as as a as a or I let me put it this way. In neither one of them did we say they're wrong because there's a list of there's an eternal law against which we are acting. And now and yeah, I I, I do want to say that like Travis said, you know, some of our desires are disordered, but we don't always realize that they're disordered um, just because they, they, you know, that we have desires that are just disordered in and of themselves, but then we have desires that in relation to our other des desires are disordered. Um, the de desires that are disordered in and of themselves are ones that are just destructive to, you know, anyone who has this, who tries to fulfill this desire is going, it's going to prove to be destructive to their character um, as opposed to ones that are in conflict with other desires. It's not that the desire is a bad desire. It's just, you can't, you can't uh, desires A, B, C, and D don't all are not compatible with each other for, for them all to be fulfilled. And so one, at least one of them is going to have to be modified in order to fulfill the other good desires as well. Um, and, and, and and we do this sometimes and not we often modify uh, good desires so that they're bent out of shape into supporting bad desires. So let's say my goal is to make money. I also happen to be married and have kids, but all I care about is making money and being or being successful in some particular whatever. And so I end up abandoning uh, really just ignoring my family, losing the relation, the good relationships I have there. Uh, and maybe I work on Sunday mornings too. So I, I skip church because it's, you know, it's just about me and Jesus anyway. That, that's a joke. And so I, I, you know, I do all that so that I can go and, uh, be really, really successful at my job. And so I modify the desire for love and intimacy and friendships and kindness and the ability to, to help, you know, to, to raise my children in a way that is glorifying to God and, and encourages enrichment in their life and, and love and flourishing and so on and so forth. I do that so I can be successful. That's a, and that is a form of our capacity to modify, uh, in fact, to modify our desires. Because if you do that long enough, eventually the desires begin to weaken, uh, I think, or become disordered in the, in, in disordered enough that you can function that way. And so, uh, we, we do this all the time. You do that when you when you're preparing when you're preparing for a test in cl a class or whatever. You give up on some desires, 
and to reform them around a desire and the desire to do well in class takes up the other desires or the other desires form around it and so forth. So this is something we do all the time. Uh, uh, we want to do it the right way though. And I guess, and this is sort of a, this is a, a maybe a big tricky question. Let me, let me, let me review where we are. So, uh, one of the questions is, uh, why, why, why do I want to be good? Why would I want to have a good character when I might be easier to fulfill my desires if I have a bad character? And what I'm sort of asking, when I ask that question too, and what I'm sort of asking here is, well, these are the desires I have. And what more could I want than to fulfill my desires? Is it, That's sort of a weird question, but why? how can you make me want to fulfill other desires? And this is what Joel's kind of responding to. Uh, there are clear reasons, in fact, reasons related to your desires themselves that are derived from your desires. If your desires are at odds with one another, you can't fulfill them. So you're always going to be sort of unfulfilled. If you're desiring things that are inappropriate with the world and, and don't match the world, then you're not going to be able to fulfill, fulfill them either. Uh, and, and this is all related to the question of, is flourishing the fulfillment of desires or not? And I think the answer that we would give is something like yes and no. It depends on what you mean by that question. And I really think, I, I think that's probably what, what Christian Miller was saying, sort of. I don't know if he was saying that much, but I think he was saying it's not the fulfillment of desires in the sense that the desires that you presently have are the desires that we, that, that if they were fulfilled, you would be, you would be flourishing. Right. It, or, or at least the way that people typically think about their desire, uh, the fulfillment of their desires. Um, you know, get, given, you know, you ask someone on the street or, you know, you might even, you know, think it yourself like, well, yeah, I have these desires. Like, I think I'd be fulfilled if I got these desires met. Um, and, or, or you, you might say, no, I wouldn't be fulfilled if I got these desires met, but I don't know what the missing component is, like how to explain why I wouldn't be fulfilled, like what it would take for me to be fulfilled. Um, I, because the, the way that we, we have used those terms typically it, it does, it is not complete compatible with or it does not equate to to flourishing I, I guess we would want to say so let's talk about the right way to think about desires or, or uh, let's this typical way of thinking about fulfilling desires I think generally and let me let me contrast it with the way that we normally think about it what we normally think about I think when we think about desire fulfillment is there's a set of good desires there's a set of bad desires I should not want the bad desires I should want the good desires. And what it means for it to be fulfilled is I desire that a certain, I get a certain thing. I gain some sort of whatever, uh, to use it philosophical language, a certain state of affairs comes to be that fulfills the desire that I have. So I want to have, I don't know, let's say a 69 Mustang. If I had the state of affairs that in which I had a 69 Mustang, I would, that would find my desire fulfilled. And then that would be one more thing. And if I just added up enough of those things, eventually, you know, let's say I had a mansion in heaven with a golden street and lots of jewels in my crown. I had a swimming pool and a hot tub and I lived on a beach, even though there's no sea. So I guess you just fall <laughs> down. You know, let's say, you know, I had all that stuff, then I would be fulfilled. Or maybe, you know, I don't know. I get, 
72 virgins or something like that. Whatever it is that you happen to be, you think will fulfill you. If I just had that state of affairs, I would be fulfilled. And then we, and so we have that view of desire. And then we say, well, there are some states of affairs that you should not desire. And there's other states of affairs that you should. So you need to eradicate the desires for those states of affairs that are evil. And you should try to just desire the states of affairs that are good. Now, we think that's the normal way that we think about it, right? There's a law about desire against desiring the wrong states of affairs, and there's a law requiring the desiring of the right states of affairs. And you're punished or whatever if you desire. Anyway, go down the line then. Well, we, we, we use carrots and sticks. You know, the, the good desires, we look for reasons or the, the desires of the good states of affairs, we look for for reasons to um, make them even better or to make them more appealing. And then we look for uh, negative things to make the the bad states of affairs uh, less appealing. Um, you know, we we have this this uh, you know we we look to fulfill our desire or we look to categorize our desires based on. Um, on results, I guess you would say, or or consequences. I mean, it's it's kind of the way that you parent young children. You give them, you know, you give consequences for good things and you know, good consequences for good things, bad consequences for bad things, to try and help them understand a connection between the two. Um, similarly, with ourselves, we have to do that. We we try to find things that point out, okay, desiring this state of affairs gives me X, Y, and Z good thing, desire, you know, if I fulfill this bad state of affairs, I'll have these, you know, these negative consequences, um, or I'll lack these good things that I can have with the other state of affairs. Yeah. And in the midst of all this, what you have is, are you, you still, all you care about are states of affairs exactly. because the desire you're trying to avoid is the bad is the desiring the wrong states of affairs, and you try to undermine your desire for the wrong states of affairs, uh, which seem really pleasant by saying, "No, you're going to get this other state of affairs that you really don't desire," and you want to desire the right states of affairs because you'll get those. Yeah, and maybe you know a little maybe with a cherry on top, and so the idea is the it's all about states of affairs, and the question is, is this what our desires are actually like? They're obviously a lot of them are like that, but right. may, let me change the question because that's that's not the right question. The right question is something like this: Are we do we flourish, and is our flourishing undermined by states of affairs that either fulfill or don't fulfill us? So, am I if I were to get everything that I desire, that's a that's a good desire, would I be flourishing? In this in this view of desire, not necessarily. <laughs> Thanks. That's very that you clarified things just magnificently. <laughs> so so the, the 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 problem with with things is once we get a state of affairs satisfied or fulfilled, we we will often want another state of affairs that is another level up or. Um, or something along those lines, and and that we start to create this perpetual, um, you know, our desires continue to uh, increase. I guess might be one word for it. 
the 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 states of a and I and this is because the states of affairs can't be ultimately fulfilling. Um, what in fact I would say the way that we try to convince ourselves that good states of affairs are good and bad states of affairs are bad tells us that there's something wrong with this. Um, the the shift is about when, when we have to give ourselves the carrots and sticks, what we're saying is he, see, see some good things that are attached to this good state of affairs that you might not necessarily want in and of itself. But if we put these good things that maybe you can start to see it as good and the bad state of affairs that you actually might think you want, we put these negative things. So you say, well, so you can see that it's not a good thing and your desire for it decreases, hopefully, that that tells us that there's something more going on than just these states of affairs. Yeah, it's it seems to me like so I'm remembering when I um, when I was young and how I was and I don't know how much of this was. I mean, I don't want to blame anyone for this. I think part of this is was just me and how I thought about things. But I remember being just because, you know, I was a young man. And you know how young men are really maybe not just young men. Maybe just Bellman. And my, my, uh, I was very interested in sex. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. yeah. Um, and, uh, I was just terror. By the time I was through being young, I was just terrified of it. And in fact, this got to the point where, and this might be a little bit too much information, but it actually had an impact on my marriage to some extent. Uh, but let's not get into that. But, uh, but it, but, it just felt like I I had so many fears connected with it, fears of judgment and all these other things that could come along with it, that there was just no way I was going to get married a virgin because I was just too scared. I'm not even sure my my desires, my, my motives were good, which that's already part of the problem. I, I'm just scared of stuff. It's not like I'm a good person. I'm just scared. And so um, one of the questions... Uh, anyway, in some ways that, that, that has sort of a good effect. And I think, I think we, we like to use that because it's easiest to get people to stop doing things. If we point a gun to their heads, now, not literally, I mean, we, you use the word stick. I always use gun for some reason. Maybe I'm just more violent, but the idea is if you, if you really make the stick terrifying, they will, they're very likely not to do it. And what we're looking for is quick results, quick change. But what we're talking about quick, we're talking about development of character, not failing to do stuff because you want to get rewarded and you want to avoid punishment. We are, we have, we have a natural sense that there's something wrong with that view to not pursue a particular state of a particular evil state of affairs, because it's going to lead to a bad and unpleasant state of affairs. doesn't mean you're a good person. It just means you're a wise investor, a, pr a prudent, maybe I should stay away from the word wise. You're prudent, not wise yeah. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, to desire the right state of affairs because you're going to get you're going to get some sort of payment in the end also is not a good character that's you just being prudent being clever be having and, street smarts and and it's worth noting that Dr. Miller in in the book is very clear that doing right doing the right action for the wrong reason does not make you a virtuous person yes doing and 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 failing to do 
you know, a, a bad action for for the wrong reason doesn't, you know, doesn't make, make you vicious, doesn't make you, uh, it, it's much more complex. There's more going on than just doing the right action. Um, you know, and he does, he does, a, I mean, and his point is we're not as bad as we, as we might think we are, nor are we as good as we might think we are. Um, and, uh, you know, and we, you know, he does a great job of drawing that out in the book. And I think, think that something that really resonates with all of us is that there, yeah, we, we recognize that motivations and tensions matter a lot to an act to someone being virtuous or not. You know, if, if someone is honest only because, you know, the movie liar, liar, that's incredibly dated now, but, um, you know, he, he is physically incapable of lying. And so he tells the truth. Does that make him an honest person? No, even though he tells the truth all the time, we we wouldn't classify him as an honest person because that's not his character. He, he is being forced to do that. Um, Now, now at the end he's changed and he tells the truth even when he doesn't have to. Well, Um, at at least in that short time. Yeah. In that short period. Yeah. Um, You you have to assume happily ever after. So yeah, but, (laughs) but we, we recognize that there's more to it. Um, You know, we, so many of, of our stories are, are, you know, point to that reality. What's going on then if that's not enough? If the state of affairs is insufficient, if if the if our actions are insufficient, well, what is going on with with virtue and vice? I mean, is that a rhetorical question or what's going on here? That was me <laughs> tossing it to you. <laughs> yeah. Well, my concern, I think we're I, I think one of the issues that we're running into is just time right here. But I think that. I think that one of the things that we need to do, we need to recognize is that um, desire is not what we tend to think it is, or, or I should say fulfillment is not the fulfillment of a desire for a particular state of affairs. It has to be something else mm-hmm. because there's, there's no getting around. We always, we always fall into a law reward and punishment a carrot and stick perspective if we think that our fulfillment is somehow connected with desire with desire fulfilling our desires for states of affairs so that's, that's a lot put together but the point is um it's very hard to want to be better if you don't le- if you don't think it's going to lead to fulfillment and it's hard to understand what fulfillment is if it doesn't have something to do with your desires being fulfilled but the problem is we can only think of desires being fulfilled in in terms of states of affairs that fulfill the, de- the desires that we presently have. So here's part of the issue. And here's where where uh, a lot of what, I mean, I think what Christian Miller had to say was fantastic, but in some ways I would like to push back in this one little area, but it's not because he's wrong about it. It's because he, it's, I think it's something that would be a nice addition to a much larger volume on the series, you know, <laughs> on the same topic. Uh uh, because what he's doing in the book is is he's kind of complete in what he's covering in the book. But I think there needs to be, I, I think our understanding of desire itself needs to be better explained. Um, and I think this would, this would, this would add to, to his chapter two in particular. Why, why do we want to be good? 
and he gives good responses, but I think there's even more to it than this. I, I would say that the responses he gives are the kind of responses you give to someone who isn't convinced that char- good character is worth having. And so, you know, if someone's like, well, what, why should I care about my character? You know, I'm, I'm content with my life as it is. Yeah. There's some things that I want that I don't have, but I'm working towards them kind of thing. Why, mm-hmm. why should I care about my character? Someone who, who answer who, who has that mentality, these answers are going to make them say, okay, Maybe there, maybe maybe I'm interested in seeing more about what what this character thing's about, um, and and it, I given where he's going with this book, I think that those answers do a great job for someone with that question. However, if you're dealing with someone who who who's probably religiously inclined because they they have a sense that there's more to it than that, these might feel incomplete in answering that person as far as why why we should care about our character because i think at some level a lot of people are convinced that we should care about our character already that we should strive for good character but then it's like next steps questions that that they have which in chapter two of this book he's not addressing those people at least that's how i read his chapter two we're gonna have to we're gonna have to cut this off. But what I I think what we're gonna have to get get into next time is talking about what do we mean by desire fulfillment and how that relates to flourishing. What do we mean by desires themselves? And I think this will lead into talking about a host of other stuff uh, that comes up in the book. That's really interesting. Mm-hmm. And and I think may may uh, and this might sound a little bit arrogant, but whatever y'all can deal with it. I think could could really add to some of the the richness and depth that that's. It could add to some of the depth that's already in the book. But we're going to have to get to that next time. Uh, this is sort of a, an introduction to sort of the issues that are there. But uh, next time we'll get into it. We'll see you then. But for now, I'm Travis. I'm Joel. Thanks for listening and have a great day. Bye.